You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Okay? In our leadership community. Now, some of you might say, I'm not a leader. Well, you might be in the future. And you're probably a leader in ways that you might be minimizing a little bit. So anybody who's a parent, you're a leader. Even if you don't have some huge following, you're not an influencer on Twitter or whatever or Instagram, like you're probably still a leader in some respect. Everybody can be a leader just leading by example. So even though you might not feel like a leader, this message is for you because you might be and you might be surprised how God might use you. But elders, I want you to listen up. Deacons, I want you to listen up. City group leaders, I want you to listen up. Next-gen volunteers, I want you to listen up. Basement leaders and, and, and volunteers, listen up. And anybody else who's a leader. We have the chance to tune in to what Jesus says. And it's hard. It's harsh. But it was necessary. But to make this really positive for us as we move into the future, Okay. So what we're going to see today is that Jesus goes hard after the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus goes hard after them. These are some of the most weighty words that you'll see Jesus speak. And take note, his target audience is not unbelievers. His target audience is is God's people, the church, and the leaders. So for me as a leader, this is sobering. Right? Elders in the room of the Vine Church, this should be sobering. And anybody else? Here's what Jesus gets really fired up about. Take note of this. The thing that gets Jesus fired up more than almost anything else, and we'll see it over and over again, culminating in this chapter in Matthew, is religious leaders practicing consistent hypocrisy with no repentance. Let me say that again. The thing that gets Jesus fired up almost more than anything else, I'll challenge you to read the Bible and just pay attention to what gets Jesus, read the Gospels, pay attention to what does Jesus get fired up about. It's this, religious leaders, leaders of God's people, people that should know better, people who claim to know better, religious leaders practicing consistent hypocrisy With no repentance. Notice how I said with no repentance? Because nobody's batting a thousand when it comes to hypocrisy. Like, I fail every week. I I stand up here and be like, this is what God's word says. And knowing that I fall short of that. So that's where a lifestyle of repentance, returning to the cross over and over again, that that, that creates change in us over time. That's where that comes in. So it's not that you're going to be perfect with, with, with no hypocrisy ever. No. But it's religious leaders practicing consistent hypocrisy with no repentance, right? No repentance. So let's look here at verse 1 of Matthew 23. And I'm just going to, he makes some preliminary comments, and then he's just going to get after it, okay? So I just want to look at these preliminary comments as kind of an overview, okay? 1 through 12. Listen here. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. So target audience. He's talking to the crowds. 
and he's talking to his guys. And he's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. Verse 2. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you. But here's the thing. But not the works that they do. Why, Jesus? Well, he's going to tell us why. For they preach, but do not practice. So what he's saying here is, like, they have the authority to, to, to speak the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying, the Old Testament is good. That's what he says, like, at the uh, end of verse 3. So do and observe whatever they tell you, right? There's, if they're speaking God's word, God's word is good, right? But don't follow them because their lives don't match what they're saying. You got to look for consistency there. And when there's inconsistency, there needs to be repentance. Okay? So that's the first thing that we're going to see as a theme. They, they preach, end of verse 3, but do not practice. And he's going to expand on this. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen. That's another one. What's the motivation? Is the motivation me, all about me? I want you to see me. It's all about me. I don't really care if you see the Lord. Just see me. Okay? To be seen by others. For they make their, there's a cultural thing, uh, phylacteries broad and their fringes long, a way of worshiping in the Old Testament style. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. That's another way of just being seen. They love to be seen. Look at my place of honor. Look at where I sit at the head of the table. Man, that feels good. Verse 8. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. Verse 11, check it. The greatest among you shall be your servant. What he's describing here is a lack of servant-heartedness, right? So leadership in the kingdom is synonymous not with top-down authority, barking orders at people, Right? But any authority that you have comes from what? Being a, having the posture of a servant, right? See that? The greatest among you shall be your servant. Why? Well, here's why. Because whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So if you take away anything from what I say this morning, learn this. Leadership in God's kingdom, not the way the world does it, but in God's kingdom, two words, servant-hearted, Leadership. Is that three words or is there a hyphen in there? We'll just say servant and, and, uh, and humble. Okay? Let's just go with that. Leadership in God's community, God's kingdom, what you want to be looking for is a servant orientation and humility. Okay? So now Jesus is going to break this down. He's going to explain with precise detail the problem. And I'm going to ask us to learn 
the solution and head that direction. We're going to identify the problem, and then we're going to try to, um, uh, we're going to identify what's negative and then try to do what's positive when it comes to Jesus is just going after these guys. Okay? So now verse 13. This is the first thing he says about these false teachers and false leaders. But woe. So what's the word woe? We don't use that word very much. In the Bible, the word woe is a pronouncement of judgment. Okay? But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Okay, so what's he getting at here? What's he getting at here? You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. How were they doing that? Well, it's really simple. How... What's the, who is the door to the kingdom of heaven? Jesus says, I'm the gate in, in the book of John. What do we need to eat and drink to, to have the kingdom, the door open the kingdom of heaven to us? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Come to me and eat. I'm the living water. Come to me and drink and streams of living water will flow from you, John chapter 7. So real simple, what were the Pharisees and scribes doing? They were saying, no, he's not the bread of life. No, he's not the living water. No, he's not the gate that you need to pass through to have a relationship with the Father. Right? So in light of that, they were closing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, in people's faces by just saying Jesus is not the guy, by just consistent resistance, right? So that's what they were doing wrong. So what do we learn as leaders? How do we do it right? Again, real simple. It's all about Jesus. At every turn, it's all about Jesus. What did John the Baptist say? He said, he must increase, John chapter 3, he must increase, and John the Baptist said, I must decrease. So in your leadership, is it more Jesus and, 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 and less you? Like, what's your mindset? What's your desire for people, right? Like, leaders that have God's heart are constantly pointing to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. John the Baptist, he had it right. Pharisees, scribes, they had it wrong. Godly leadership doesn't lead away from Jesus. It leads one way, towards Jesus, right? Now, we all can nod our head yes to this, right? Yeah, I get that. That sounds good. But I'm convicted, you know, like how often in a meeting with somebody or in a city group, you know, it's not that I'm trying to like just make it all about me, but I just forget about Jesus. Like I can give my words as opposed to, okay, what what does Jesus have to say about this situation, right? If we're talking about worry and somebody is just anxious and worried about the future, it's easy for me to go, well, here's some tactics that's worked in my life, which may or may not be helpful, but what's most helpful? Hey, let's open up to Matthew chapter 6 and verses 24 through 33. What does that say about worry? Let's just do that together, right? That's just one real practical way that feels, you know, like I'm not trying to like, um, consciously oppose Jesus. 
but it's just a softer version of what the Pharisees and scribes were doing. I'm not leading people to Jesus when I could, right? Some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't know my Bible that well. I don't know what the Bible says about worry. Dude, y'all have one of these, right? Like, you don't have to carry around a concordance anymore. Big, thick, heavy concordance. Some of you don't even know what that is. It's fine. It doesn't matter. You have Google, right, Matt? We have Google. Uh, Type in what does, I do this all the time. I don't have the Bible memorized. Like, what does the Bible say about worry? Boop, there it is, right? And that's how you can help people lean into what Jesus is saying. What does Jesus say about worry? Two seconds away, it's right there. This is what Jesus says about worry, right? Okay, so first thing we learn from the negative going positive is true faithful leadership in the kingdom of God makes it all about Jesus. Makes it all about Jesus, okay? Super simple, easy to forget. Number one, true faithful leadership in the kingdom of God makes it all about Jesus. The Pharisees and scribes, nope, don't, don't look at Jesus. But, but his people know it's all about him, right? Second time, he goes after him. Look at verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Notice the repeated word hypocrite. For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. That's heavy. So what's Jesus getting at here? Well, look at the words in verse 15. For you travel across sea and land. What does that mean? means they're working really hard. They're putting forth a lot of effort. For what? To make a single proselyte, a single convert, a single follower of themselves. But what's produced? A child of hell. Like, that's a heavy phrase, right? These guys are working so hard at making disciples of themselves little mini-me's, right, that would follow them in their way of doing things. So what's what's the lesson here? What's Jesus getting at? The question is, are we working really hard to try to teach people what we think and make little versions of myself, of us? Or again, am I trying to point Jesus Point to Jesus at every single turn and have people look like him. So this is kind of a subset of the first thing. But again, like, what what am I trying to do? Where is all of my effort going? See, the, the Pharisees were making disciples, but those disciples did not look like Jesus. They looked like, what does he say? Children of hell. So, Negative leadership lesson, negative rebuke to go positive. Here's a question we can ask ourselves. Is, if someone is being led by you, over the long term, what do they look like? What is produced? What's the fruit on the tree? Right? Do they look more like Jesus? Or do they reflect your sin issues? 
Now, parents, a lot of parents here in the room, a lot of parents of little, little kids, this will be a time for you to humble yourself in the future, okay? Take heart. What, what is produced by your leadership? The thing that's humbled Kim and I over the years, you know, we've been parenting for 18 years now, is the fact that you see your own sin issues walking around on two little chubby legs. Right? Like, where did they get that? Oh, they got it from observance. Right? Like, why do my kids yell so much? Maybe I'm yelling a little too much. Why do my kids criticize each other all the time? Like, quick to judge, slow to show mercy. Maybe they caught that from Kim and I. Like, Kim and I have had that talk, right? Just full disclosure. Like, we can be quick to, like, you need to get this right and not to just be, like, slow down, show mercy, you know, less correcting all the time. Like, what is produced by your leadership? Now, now listen. We have to be really careful here because the behavior of those you lead is not necessarily completely up to you, okay? So take heart. In one sense, you're in control, just parents or any other leadership position. Your influence matters. It's a big deal. Yes, very true. Also true at the same time, you're not God, and you're not the Holy Spirit, and you can't control as much as you, like right now, parents of the uh, chubby little two-year-old, you pick them up, you put them where they need to go, right? A decade from now, that will no longer be happening, right? You are not, you have the illusion of control right now, right? I will put you in your bed, and you will go to sleep, hopefully. Um, In a decade, that's not going to be the case. So don't believe the lie that you're in control, because you're not. But all that to say, it's still good to just ask the question. Ask the question, what is being produced by my leadership? Is there anything that I can do to maybe adjust what I'm seeing in those that are following me? You with me? So what's the principle? Pay attention to the character of those you lead and be willing to ask yourself if you've contributed in any way to the sin that you see in those that follow you. Okay? Are they reflecting a sinful example they see in you? Okay? Again, be careful. You you can pronounce judgment on yourself. That's not necessary. But just at least ask the question. Ask the question, all right? Because that's what these guys were doing. That's what Jesus is lighting them up for. They're producing children of hell. That's a heavy, heavy thing. Leading somebody into sin. It's a big deal. All right, let's keep reading. What else do we learn about leadership? Verse 16. Woe to you, blind guides. I mean, that's a... Stop and just think about that. A blind guide. You have a guide on a trip to the Boundary Waters. That dude cannot be blind. Right? But that's what he says these, these are. Blind guides. 
who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he's bound by that oath, by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Okay, so what's going on here? There's a lot of religious, cultural, Jewish things going on here, okay? Here's the summary. Jesus rebukes them for having made up rules that allowed them to not have personal integrity. Like, okay, I'm going to make an oath, but if I make an oath with my fingers crossed, it doesn't count, right? You know, the silly kids thing, well, my fingers were crossed or whatever. That, that's literally what these guys are doing, right? Like, I'm going to stand up and make a vow to my wife that I'm going to be faithful to her till death do us part. But if I didn't look her in the eyes directly, it doesn't count. Like that kind of nuance and specificity to to just basically enable their sinful desires. That's what he's talking about here, right? All of this is just made up rules. Well, if you swear by the temple, it's nothing. But if you swear by the gold of the temple, see that in verse 16? made up rules to enable their selfishness, to enable their sin, to help them get out of things, to to, to, to be freed from obligations. And Jesus just exposes this, right? So what's the lesson that we can learn positively for leaders? Do you have personal integrity, accountability? Or trying to play games to enable yourself in your sin? Like, as leaders, you have a certain amount of control over systems and structures, right? So leaders do. They define, they set boundaries, right? But, it, but, but, but it's, it's super easy to have systems and structures be created to enable sin in leadership, Like, why is it the policy that the church finances are super private? Like, if you go to a church, if you're moving away, you want to go to a church where the finances are very, very transparent. Because if they're not, a lot of times there's something weird going on. So we want to have finances at the Vine. You can come and ask us anything. It's just one example. But we want to be transparent. We want to be open. We've got nothing to hide. Right? Or, or you, sometimes, like, you, you have church leaders, um, and I can be prone to this too, church leaders avoiding hard parts of ministry because, well, that's not my gifting, right? I'm enabling structures and systems that just enable us to get out of things, to do things that are, that, that, to not do things that are comfort, uncomfortable, Right? So here's the question for leaders. Are you trying to work the system? That's what these guys are doing. We're just going to work the system. Create the system, work the system. 
Or are we trying to live lives with humility and integrity, with nothing to hide, pursuing accountability, not trying to game the system because I have a position of authority? So healthy leaders, next principle, healthy leaders pursue personal integrity at every turn. They're not trying to game the, game the system to avoid repentance or service. Okay? Let's keep going. Verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says it again, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. So what is Jesus saying here? Again, Jewish historical context, religious context, tithing mint and dill and cumin. So I'm going to give, I'm going to be generous, right, with these little things. It's good. Jesus says it's good. He says right at the end of verse 23, these you ought to have done without neglecting what? The more important things, right? Like justice and mercy and faithfulness. You want to know the heart of God? You want to know the heart of God for how his people lead in his kingdom? The majors biblically are justice and mercy, faithfulness. What does the Lord require of you, Matthew 6, or sorry, Micah 6, 8, to do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God? That's leadership in the kingdom. And he's saying to these guys, you've emphasized the wrong things. You're all worried about these tiny little details, and those are important, he said so. But what's the proportion? What's the emphasis? So you guys are all out of proportion. That's what he's saying. All out of proportion. You've forgotten the weightier things. Like, there's proportions to this deal. Don't get your proportions all out of whack. Where's the justice? Where's the mercy? Where's the faithfulness? He said they've forgotten those. They've neglected those, he says in verse 23. You blind guys straining out a gnat. It's like, it's like, oh, there's a little tiny little microscopic fly in my soup. I can never eat that. But this camel over here, man, he looks good. Down the hatch. Again, the proportions are all off. That's what he's saying, right? So how are we tempted to do the same? Because we're not better than these guys. Our hearts are still the same. The way we do it is we major on the minors. We major on the minors. That's the problem in view here. So it might not be for us, mint and dill and cumin. I don't know many people that are focused on that too much. But how about politics? If you're, if you're more focused on politics than you are on making disciples, you're majoring on the minors. 
If you're more focused on your preferences, maybe about how kids should be educated, homeschool, private school, public school, if you spend more time thinking about that than making disciples, you're majoring on the minors. If you're, if you're more wound up about a certain style of music, I mean, this was my childhood or like early 90s, right? Music was this controversy in local churches. I was majoring on the minors. If you're more focused on silly conspiracy theories about COVID, you're majoring on the minors. If, you're, if your greatest problems in life are dictated by the politics of CNN or Fox News, you're majoring on the minors. Like all of those things might be good and have their place, but what are their proportions? Jesus wants leaders in his kingdom to be aware of the proportions. So I want 95% of my energy going towards the gospel that teaches me God's justice and teaches me God's mercy and teaches me God's faithfulness and how I can reflect that. And maybe if there's 2% of my time, I'm going to think about some of these other things. But leaders have to have the right proportions, okay? And when we have the right proportions, man, things get really beautiful. Things get really beautiful. So principle number four, healthy leaders know the majors and the minors and they know the difference. They major on the majors and they minor on the minors. Just as an aside, how do we do this? How do we do this? We do this by getting to know God in his word. And when you read the Bible over and over again, you start to have your taste buds changed. You start to smell things differently. Like, like when something comes up, like conspiracy theories that have been swirling around in the last year in our culture, you can just kind of sit there and go, okay, I know God's story from beginning to end. I don't know it perfectly. I don't have it memorized, but I've read the Bible enough over and over again that I just kind of know God's heart. I don't think I need to give a lot of time to this, right? What I need to give time to is what God says is ultimately valuable. And that's him and himself and what he's doing in the world through his people, the local church. That's what I'm going to emphasize most. Because that's what it says. That's what the emphasis is. But you can only know these things when you cherish the, thing that, the things that God cherishes. Like so much of this last year has been purport, like leaders with their, 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 their leadership priorities all out of whack. The proportions are all wrong, right? But when you know God through his word, you, just, you can smell things coming. It's like, no, that doesn't smell right. That doesn't sound right. Because I, I know I'm just soaking in who God is in his word. Now, we might not always agree, and that's okay, but I'm just telling you, year after year after year, if you get to know God in his word, you start to understand the right proportions, Let's keep going. Verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plates, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. 
you blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So what is he saying? Who you are in public is not who you are in private. That's what he's saying. It's all a facade. It's all fake. It's just a veneer, right? Like the true test of integrity and leadership is who are you when no one's looking? Who are you when no one is looking tells us what's really going on on the inside. And for leaders especially, this is so important. And just there's a, a contemporary example, a guy named Ravi Zacharias. My wife and I went to, heard, went to hear him speak the night we got engaged over 23 years ago. Powerful ministry. Powerful, powerful, powerful. But he was not who we thought he was. And think of the destruction. I mean, I just think of his poor wife and his poor kids. And they've got to make sense of this after he's dead. All of this comes to light. Just think of the destruction of that when who you are in public is not who you are in private. There's casualties. There's there, there's. There's cadavers and bodies, you know, laying all over the place from one leader who's inconsistent. All the people that worked for his ministry, all the people that listened to his podcast year after year after year, that's why Jesus goes so hard after these guys. Because there's casualties to this. There's destruction on God's people. Again, we're not talking that leaders have to be perfect. They just have to be willing to be transparent and to be willing to repent or be willing to say, my sin has gone too far. I need to resign. I cannot disparage the reputation of my God. I cannot wreak havoc on the people that follow me in this ministry and in my, in my, my household. See, you can prop up appearances for a long time, but eventually Jesus comes to call. And he's coming here at these guys right here in this text. It's just a matter of time where what's on the inside will be exposed on the outside. It's just a matter of time. So if you're playing games, thinking that it won't happen to you, the day of repentance is now. It's way better now than 10 years from now, I promise you. If you're hiding something, there's some part of your life that nobody knows about, and you've been hiding it year after year after year, like walk in the light. There's so much freedom, it's so much better walking in the light. I know it's scary, 
But if we believe the gospel, there's freedom in repentance. There's freedom in walking in the light, right? You don't have to hide anymore. If the gospel is true and it is, you have nothing to hide because God knows it already. Healthy leadership always focuses on the inner life of the walk with God and allows the outward appearance to flow from that. And then finally, let's read this last section, verse 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How would you escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of um, Barakiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation." So what's going on here? These guys are thinking too highly of themselves. Look at verse 30. If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Like, those guys back then, they were idiots, but we've got it together, right? They're just thinking too highly of themselves. It's just straight pride, right? That's always a danger for leaders, always, because leaders are called to make decisions. We're called to evaluate constantly, like that's, I feel like that's my job all the time, just evaluating, evaluating, like things need to move here and there, and da, da, da. you're just evaluating all the time. The challenge is when you're evaluating something, especially somebody who's in sin, which is all of us at some point, the temptation is to think, man, those idiots, how could they sin like that? Just thinking too highly of yourself, like you're not capable of the same thing. Just straight pride. And, and, and Jesus wants leaders in his kingdom to not think more highly of themselves than they should, but to know, man, that we're all level at the foot of the cross. And the only reason I'm not doing what they're doing is the grace of God. It's no, no praise me. Praise God. Right? So healthy leaders don't think too highly of themselves. They're quick to identify pride lurking around the corner of their hearts. All right? Let me just summarize these principles because I think it's really helpful for us. Because if we can get a, a handle on these things, man, our leadership culture at this church is going to be beautiful. And there's freedom to repent when we fail. So number one, true faithful leadership in the kingdom of God makes much of the supreme value, worth, and beauty of King Jesus. It's all about him. Number two, pay attention to the character of those you lead and be willing to ask yourself, if you've contributed in leading by example in them sinning, are you leading them by sinful example? Number three, healthy leaders pursue integrity at every turn. They're not trying to game the system to avoid things that are uncomfortable. Number four, healthy leaders know, that the ma they know what the majors are and what the minors are. They major on the majors and they minor on the minors. Number five, healthy leaders always focus on the inner life of the walk with God 
and allow the outward appearance to flow from that. And finally, number six, healthy leaders don't think too highly of themselves. They're quick to identify pride lurking around the corner of their hearts. Let me close with this. Would you pray these things for your leaders? Would you be willing to pray these things for your leaders? Like none of this happens apart from the Spirit of God. None of this happens apart from the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Like leadership is a weighty calling. Like it's not, I say this all the time, sometimes it's hours on the clock. Sometimes it's just raw hours on the clock. You got to get things done. It's not always hours on the clock though. I would say majority of the time it's the weight of the backpack that you carry with the label leadership on it. Sometimes it weighs heavy, really heavy. Secondly, would you pray these things for yourself? Like I said, all of us are probably a leader in some respect. And then finally, be reminded, Jesus died for your failures in leadership. So don't walk out of here feeling like a failure. Walk out of here thankful that you have the freedom to practice repentance and know that your forgiveness is assured at the cross and empty tomb. Like, God doesn't love you based on your performance. Let me remind you of that. Leaders especially. A lot of us as leaders, really performance-driven. God does not love you based on your performance. God loves you because he performed in your place. Right? To secure your forgiveness in your failures and sins. Like, that's mercy. That's grace. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And that's the message that humbles us all and then empowers us to head in this direction, away from scribes and Pharisees and towards Jesus and what he commends for leaders. Amen? Man, let's pray. Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. And we just pray, Lord, that you would create this type of healthy leadership culture in this church and every church that says that it loves you and loves your people and loves your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.